If you have your Bible, open to the Gospel of Luke. We will be in chapter 16. The verses of the contextual verses are verse 10 through 18. So I will make reference to those, and James is back there ready to uh, put some scriptures on the projector for me, James, and I'll let you know when to do that, brother. So just relax for right now. We've got a ways to go. So if you um, have your Bible, go to uh, Luke chapter 16, and we'll, uh, we'll read 10 through 18, and then James, you can bring 18 up because that's the verse for today. And I want to I tell you what, I want to thank um, the congregation, uh, Aisha uh, Kara Mustafik, uh, back several months ago, um, offered to uh, help us with social media, and she has been helping us promote things uh, more, more timely. So if you're on social media, you have probably noticed that we have had uh, sermon topics uh, that have been put out there the past month or so, and the one for today, I'm sure, got everybody's attention, amen, because it's on divorce and remarriage. And so uh, I want to thank those of you that have te- been texting me uh, over the past week and a half and praying for me, uh, because as you know, uh, this is a, an extremely uh, delicate topic, um, and I'll just tell you right out of the chute, uh, we may not get through today. I've got seven pages of, of, uh, of notes, amen? But honestly, I could probably condense it to one, but I think you might hogtie me when the message was over. So I'm going I'm to try to build a lot of stuff into the message. The truth will still be there because the truth is very, very, very explicit and very plain in the Word of God on this topic. But I know that everybody in this sanctuary today, everybody listening by live feed, me, Angie, all of us have been touched by divorce. Can you amen that? We have been. We've all been touched by it. So let me just tell you this first of all. Uh, you, have a, you have a friend in me. As your pastor, I grew up in a broken home. Angie grew up in a broken home. We know all about this stuff, and we know, uh, we know the damage uh, that can happen when a, when a marriage is out of balance on one part of the, one spouse or the other, or both spouses. And so you do not need to look at me as an adversary. Amen? Don't look at me as an adversary. Don't, don't look at me as somebody who thinks he's holier than thou, because you if you have spent any time at our house, you know that is not the case. Amen? Amen. I mean, Angie and I, we've been married almost 23 years. We, we cling to the grace of Jesus Christ on a daily basis in our lives, especially serving the church in ministry. I mean, we, we have to be, I mean, we have to, our home has to be one of order, one of reverence, one of holiness. And is that a struggle or what? Amen? I mean, it's a struggle. And so we are not perfect. We do not claim to be perfect. You are not perfect. We do not expect you to be perfect. But what we do expect and what God expects from all of us on this issue is to be faithful and true to his word, period, okay? So that said, let's go to verse 10 and we'll work through this. And, and if I don't get, we won't, I mean, if we run out of time, we'll stop and we'll have divorce and remarriage part two, amen? Next, next Saturday, next Sunday. So verse 10. In Luke 16, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John, since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Verse 18, everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. One of the things we're going to work on a little bit this morning is, and what all scholars point out, is that verse 18 seems to be strange, strangely mentioned uh, here in these verses. Uh, Some scholars go so far as to say it is without context. I would disagree with that. Uh, It may be an awkward context. It may be a context that is difficult for us to understand, but yet God has clearly given us a context. The points uh, on these passages that we have gone through over the past uh, couple of weeks are very simple but very powerful. Good character, number one, is evident in the small things. I think I got more comments on that, on that message uh, than any message I've preached in the past year. And, and I don't really understand why, other than the fact that it is, it is a fantastic reminder to us as believers, as people, that if you are faithful in the small things that the large things will work themselves out properly. But if you are not faithful in the little things, the large things will not go well. And that character is rooted not in how we handle the huge things, that's important, but character is most obvious and most noticeable in the way we handle the little things in life. So good character is evident in the small things. The next point out of verse 13 is good character has God as master. You cannot have good character and serve mammon. That is, that is not possible. Your, your character will be shown for what it is, greedy, lover of money. For the believer, God has to be the one that we serve. And when we do that, we will have good character. So good character has God as master. Then we looked at the next few verses. Serving mammon will cause you to hate God's word. It might not happen immediately. It might not happen immediately. It might take a while. But at some point as this battle rages, as you become choked by thorns, to use a reference to the parable of the sower, you will slowly begin to hate the Word of God because it will bring conviction on your heart because you are serving the wrong God. You are serving mammon and not God. And if you don't begin to hate the Word of God, the other option that happens is, as you serve mammon, uh, you, will, you will begin to change the Word of God. You will make the Word of God fit your sins instead of conforming your life to fit the Word of God. I see, that's probably one of the biggest things I see in the American culture, is that we want God's Word to fit our sin. That is not the way that works. We are supposed to conform our lives to God's Word And then as you serve mammon, you can pretend to serve God. But over time, that also will show itself in various ways that we won't go into because we don't have time. And then finally, coming into today's passage, the kingdom compels 
The Christ coming and the kingdom of God coming compels a response to the fulfillment of the promises of God. Every person in here today, every person living, listening to live feed, every person that, that, it, that is on earth or that, that has ever lived has had to come face to face with the reality of who Jesus Christ is, and they are forced to make a decision on whether or not they believe he is who he said he was or he's not. So they are compelled by force because he came and he lived and he died and he rose again to decide whether or not he is who he said he is. And then today, we have verse 18. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. So today, we are faced with a verse that contains one of the most controversial theological issues in Christianity. Would you agree with that? The issue of divorce. So before we launch into this, I want to give you a passage from Christ that perfectly describes the possible reaction from the teaching of the Scriptures. And what I'm about to read is the follow-up question by the disciples to Jesus after he gave his teaching on divorce to the Pharisees in the Gospels. And what Jesus said, as we know, and please, please cling to this truth, is as applicable today as when he said it 2,000 years ago. Jesus had told the Pharisees, and if you want to go to your Bible, we don't have this up here just yet. We've got Matthew 19, but that'll come later. If you want to, if you want to know where I'm coming from, go to Matthew 19 in your Bible. Jesus had told the Pharisees in response to their question about divorce, he said these words, and I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Then the disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But Jesus said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. In other words, those that have what? Ears to hear. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive this. So when it comes to God's word, Jesus is saying, this is the way it is, you will either receive it or what? You won't. You won't. So Jesus had just given them, given the disciples and the Pharisees, a more conservative view of marriage than the current two rabbis of Jerusalem, Shammai and Halil. So Jesus disagreed with the majority interpretation of the time, so the disciples shock is understandable because Jesus has an unusually, by the standards of that day, an unusually high view of marriage. And if you're wondering what a eunuch is, they were men, and I tried to put vocabulary, I knew there's young ears out here, and I know parents don't like to explain stuff to their kids, give me a witness, amen. So I tried to make this as G-rated as possible. So I want to pat on the back when this is over, amen. They were men, eunuchs were men that lacked their manhood. Is that all right? 
They became like that in three ways, as Jesus points out. They are born sterile. They have their reproductive organs removed by men. Or they voluntarily had it done to serve the kingdom in singleness. And then Jesus says these words, let the one who is able to receive it, receive it. In today's culture, we would say something like this, it is, finish it. It is what it is. You will either hear this today and you will receive this, or you will hear it today and I have no idea what your response will be. We were trained deeply in these issues in seminary, and it is one of the most difficult situations that we deal with in the Church of Jesus Christ. So why is divorce so controversial? Because it's personal, very, very, very personal. It is one of the most personal things that you can talk about. We have pasts, and many of us made a huge mess of our lives at some point or another. And now we are years beyond those messes, and we don't want to be reminded about our failures. That is why many in the church use what I like to call rug sweep strategies. Rug sweep strategies. When some sin becomes known, we don't want to deal with it because maybe we are guilty of it too. So we just shrug it off, sweep it away, and say some cliche like, it's all covered by the blood. Why do we even have to bring this up? Jesus was the one that gave the primary teaching on it. That's why we bring it up. We have to bring it up because sin has disastrous consequences. And our ministry as the church of Jesus Christ is to deal with sin and these circumstances redemptively, and we can't deal with it redemptively without confronting the sin and being obedient to the Word of God. Now, that upsets some people. They don't want to deal with anything. Everything's just forgiven, so we just don't deal with anything. That has got us in the mess we're in now, and it's a mess. It's a mess, a mess. We also resist it because we don't want God to interfere with our plans and what makes us happy. In today's world, even among professing Christians, unfortunately, happiness is our goal, not holiness. Happiness. Holiness comes first, and then happiness follows, amen? Happiness doesn't come first, and then holiness. Holiness comes first, and then comes. And if you don't protect the holiness, you will lose your happiness. Or it's a fake happiness. It's a mammon happiness that, as we know, will die over time, and it's not eternal. 
Divorce is one of the most hurtful, painful, and difficult things that humans can experience, and it should be, because it's not what God intended. It's not what God intended. When we do things that God has not intended for us, there are consequences. They don't go away just because you get saved. I still deal with consequences from my life before I knew Jesus because I abused my body and I abused other people and I did things that were godless to other people. I'm forgiven, I'm reborn, absolutely. But the repercussions of my sin that I did to other people, God only knows. God only knows what it did in their lives. They're consequences. We like to believe they're not. We like to believe to get saved and move on and forget the past. Not always the case. Consequences, painful, long-lasting consequences. Even though we have the blessing of forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ, there can be and oftentimes are sustained lifelong consequences. And if you hear that today and inside you are silently objecting, you are not being honest with yourself, you're not, and you are ignoring the Word of God. Ignoring it. I've been a Christian since I was 26 years old. My mom and dad were still married and lived about 20 more years after I got saved and moved home. They were separated for over a decade on and off, never divorced, just separated. And to this day, to this day, some of the things they did, some of the things they said, to one another and to us, and some of the decisions they made still affect me in my heart and my mind and affect me as a man in my own life with my own children. Still, to this day, consequences. My precious wife, and I ask her permission for this thoroughly, amen, had three father figures and I'll use that term loosely, come in and out of her life, throughout her life. Her biological father divorced her mother and abandoned her at birth. Do you think she's forgotten about that? The next man married her mom and was with her 14 years. Let me back up, I messed up. The next man that, that, that married her adopted her and made her his daughter. And just a few short years later, divorced her mother and abandoned her. Then she married again and stayed with this one 14 years. But after 14 years, he got into an affair and divorced her and abandoned Angie and her mother. You think there was consequences there? Do you think it affected her for the rest of her life? Do not make the mistake of thinking 
that all that just goes away. You are lying to yourself. It does not happen. Jesus can come, he can forgive, he can make you a new creation, he can give you a new life, but you still gotta deal with all that stuff from your past on a regular basis. You gotta think about it. You have songs that remind you of them, you see cars that remind you of theirs, you see clothes that remind you, this, it, it never goes away. Some people have been so haunted, some children have been so haunted by what has happened in their families that today they go get shock treatments to try to shut out the memories of the past. They are so damaging to their, to their minds. Now I'm only going to pick on one of these out of her three men that, that left her because this is the one that, whew, if I could have drove to Greenville, Mississippi when she told me this, she was trying to go on a mission trip from this church to go to Jamaica the first year we were here. There was only one problem with that. She didn't have a passport. I had one because I went to Honduras two years before we came here, so I had one. But even though we looked kind of similar, she couldn't use my passport, amen? Everybody thought we were brother and sister. We have to say we are not brother and sister. We're not. So, in order to do that, she had to, there's a whole lot of documentation you got to do, and she had to contact the man who adopted her and gave her her last name. And it took her a long time to get in touch with him, calls after calls after calls after calls. And when she finally got through, he said, well, I was afraid to answer the phone because I thought you wanted money. If that didn't make your blood boil, friends, have not seen, had not heard from this child since he walked out of their life, 20, 30 years later, the phone is ringing and he avoids the conversation because of mammon. 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 Please do not make the mistake that I've heard so many arrogant adults say, oh, don't worry about the kids. They'll be fine. You know what? Maybe some of them will, but I can guarantee you some of them won't. And there's some stats that I'm going to read to you in just a minute. This is going to be an eye-opener for you. And that may be where we have to end because it's already 11.02, amen? And I don't want to rush this message. I want to take this double-edged sword from Luke 18, Matthew 19, and Mark 10. And I want to take that double-edged sword and I want to stab it into my heart and into your hearts as far as we can stab it. Because I want us to covenant as a church together that we are going to go to war against broken families. Amen? We're going to go to war against it. We're going to say we love you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to help you. If you've got problems and your marriage is looking like it's going to break apart, we're, we're going to move heaven and earth and do everything in our power that we can to stop it from happening. Now, there's no guarantees. You can't make people do things they don't want to do, and that's, that's one, of the, one of the things that Jesus points out in his teachings. 
But we, as the church of Jesus Christ, have to stand against it. Not mean, not ugly, not harsh. All that's, all that's encapsulated into the reality of itself. I mean, you don't have to make it any harsher than it already is. I mean, it, it, in and of itself, divorce is as damaging and as harsh as anything else you'll ever deal with in life. So you don't have to make it harder because it's hard already. Don't make that mistake. They may never be the same. These are eternal matters. They are spiritual eternal matters that are only healed by the Son of God. And even with his power, his grace, and mercy, as long as we are in this body of death, if you challenge me on that phrase, look what Paul says in Romans 7. This is a body of death, and it's a body of death because guess what's happened? Guess what happens to this body in the not-too-distant future for all of us? What does it do? Dies. The Adamic nature is right here. We've got the indwelling Holy Spirit. We've been born again, but this outside body is going to die. It is a hole that contains the inner spirit. The inner spirit leaves. When Jesus comes back, he raises up your dead flesh, turns it into this celestial body like Christ. Your soul is reunited with your body, and you're turned into to the same body Christ has, and you rule with him for all eternity, and that's a great place for a hallelujah. Yes. Yes. These are eternal matters. This is a body of death. Divorce will wreak havoc periodically in their hearts. That is why it's such a huge problem and why God speaks to it so severely. So here are the stats, and then we'll call it a day today, okay? Is that okay, or do y'all want to go for an hour? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, but go follow the social media thread on that one all afternoon, right? That preacher preached on divorce two and a half hours. Yeah, I'm starving to death. Here are the stats, and if you want to look these up, you can, all right? I just went out to Google and Googled around and found, uh, found some stats from a look, look to be a, a very solid, well-established law, law firm in California that specializes in family practice. And the name of the firm is Wilkinson and Finkbeiner in San Diego, California, and it's a family law practice. And these are the stats that they gave. So just let's, let's, let's listen, and we'll call it, call, it a, call it a day after I go through these. Some of these stats were very surprising to me, very surprising. As of 2021, both marriage and divorce rates are decreasing. But that's both marriage and divorce are decreasing. And here, here, here's here, the, primary one, the primary group driving that are millennials. Millennials are driving that. They're choosing to wait longer to get married, but they're also staying married longer. And that's a hallelujah. Amen? That's a hallelujah. Almost 50% of all marriages in the U.S. will end in divorce or separation. That is not a new stat. That has been pretty static probably for the past 10 to 15, 20 years. That's kind of been the stat. 41%, now this, this stat I did not know. 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. That's first marriages. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. And you ain't going to believe the percentage of the third. The third marriage, 73% end in divorce. 73%. I would probably argue that the other 27% are so sick and tired of being divorced that they're like, I'm making this work. Amen? I mean, no kidding. No kidding. I'm making this work. 
The average first marriage ends in divorce, that ends in divorce lasts eight years. 60% of all divorces involve individuals aged 25 to 39. That was surprising to me. Wives are the ones who most often file for divorce at 66% on average, but that figure has soared to nearly 75% in recent years. Now, I know from experience, three or four that I have dealt with personally the last 10 years, the husband was the one pushing it, but the only way he would do it was if she filed. I have no idea, I didn't pry into that, but I, I know that that exists, so that, that number may, may, have, may have some problems. The divorce rate among people 50 and older has doubled, doubled in the past 20 years, according to Bowling Green State University. January, this was, this was shocking, January is considered divorce month among lawyers. People start looking for information before the new year starts, but they can't do much until attorneys are back in the office. And so January the 12th through the 16th seems to be the magic week for filings across the United States of America. Happy New Year, huh? Reasons for divorce. Reasons for divorce. Lack of commitment, 73%. Argue too much, 56%. Any of y'all argue out there? I mean, man, we should have never got married if that's a stat because we've argued ever since we've known each other. I mean, we argue about something every day. I mean, we'll get in a fight over where we're going to eat after church. You know? Arguing too much? I, I mean, you know, not, not to belittle, because I mean, I know some arguments can be chronic and can be abusive. I, I, I get all that. But my heavens, get some help if you're arguing all the time or if you can't take it. Don't just leave. Infidelity? 55%, married too young, 46%, unrealistic expectations. One of the primary things I try to counsel on when I, when I have the opportunity to counsel people getting married, do not think getting married is going to fix all y'all problems. In fact, it's going to create a whole bunch you never dreamed of. Lack of equality in the relationship, 44%. 44%. Do what I tell you, woman! That ain't gonna get you nowhere, amen? <laughs> nowhere. You ain't even read the Bible if that's the way you think marriage is. The, the, the responsibility is on you, brothers, to lead that family to unity. Not her, you. Lack of preparation for marriage. That's a big one, 41%. I know couples recently that got married that have been divorced that received no counseling whatsoever. None. Zero. Are you serious? Really? And domestic violence or abuse, 25%. Moving along, almost done. If both you and your partner had previous marriages, you were 90% more likely to get divorced than if this was the first marriage for both. If your parents are happily married, you risk, your, your divorce rate decreases by 14%. There's a reaping and sowing there. Do you see that? 
The parents reaped, reaped well, and their children are reaping well. Sowed well, excuse me, the parents sowed well, so the children are, are, are reaping well. If your parents married others after divorcing, you are 91% more likely to get divorced. I mean, do you, do you see? that I put this in here for one reason and one reason only. I don't know where Christians get the idea that becoming a Christian wipes out all your problems and wipes out all future turmoil and wipes out all your issues. Becoming a Christian puts you in the crosshairs of the enemy. It can cause your problems to soar because you become a Christian. When you're walking with the world and you're walking with Satan, most of the time everything's just fine. It's when you draw a line in the sand and say, hey, I'm yours, God. That's when the trouble really begins and God really tries to, and Satan really tries to tear you apart. According to Nicholas Walfinger, I have no idea who he is, some statistician, in understanding the divorce cycle, the risk of divorce is 50% higher when one spouse comes from a divorce home and 200% higher when both partners do. Certain studies have shown that daughters of divorce, 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 can I say that word? Certain studies have shown that daughters of divorced parents have a 60% higher divorce rate in marriages than children of non-divorced parents, while sons have a 35% higher rate. Half of all the children in the United States will witness the ending of a parent's marriage. Half. Of this half, close to 50% will also see the breakup of a parent's second marriage. A recent study of divorce petitions found that nearly 15% of them cited video game addiction as a major factor of their divorce. Video game addiction. Sitting in front of a video game as a full-grown man, ignoring the needs of your family. Brothers, if, if that hits you, please stop today. Stop today. Stop. Just stop. 43% of children in the United States are being raised without their fathers. 65% of divorced mothers receive no child support. No child support. So even when they leave, they don't ante up and take care of their kids. If a close friend, and I, I witnessed this happen within the past year. I witnessed what I'm about to read happen. If a close friend gets divorced, you are 147% more likely to become divorced and 33% more likely if a friend of a friend is divorced. Now, why would that be? Because the friend, your friend that's divorced begins to talk about divorce, and begins to invite you to go where? Out. So they can celebrate their divorce. And so you're married, and you go out with your friend that's getting divorced, and all of a sudden, you start having fun, and you realize, hey, you know, my husband's kind of old and boring. I kind of like what we're doing out here. And then before you know it, the mammon kicks in, and here we are. I mean, I, I, I am not embellishing. I witnessed this happen last year to a couple that I knew. Studies at the University of California and Brown University cite that when a married person works with someone who is in the process of divorcing, it increases the married person's chances of divorce by 75%. 
That is unbelievable that that number is so high. A new study entitled Divorce and Death shows that broken marriages can kill at the same rate as smoking cigarettes. Indications that the risk of dying is a full 23% higher among divorcees than married people. Wonder why that is. The stress. The stress, the consequences of what goes, of what goes on. It, it's unbelievable. Angie and I have walked with multiple people that have been through this, and the stress it brings on their life financially, emotionally, it, it is incalculable what it does. An article in the New York Times stated that of couples who seek marriage counseling, 38% end up divorced just two years later. Chances are they didn't continue on with the counseling would, would, be, my, would be my guess about that. So... We'll end on this pastoral note, because it's time. Angie just sent me a... Thank you, honey. She sent me a... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what she sent me. <laughs> Texted me while preaching. My wife, isn't she wonderful? That was me. <laughs> oh, that was you, huh? Thanks, Chloe. <laughs> on a pastoral note, let me, let me finish with this. I really want you to know something, and I want you to hear this from the bottom of my heart, okay? I don't know. Sometimes I know I come across hard. Those of you that know me personally know I'm not a hard man. I'm not. I'm not a hard man. So I don't think any less of you, and neither does God, if you've experienced divorce. Do you hear me saying that? Do you hear me say that? I don't think less of you, and neither does God. I don't and he doesn't. The scriptural truths in the Bible are for our good. They're for our good. Our good. It is to our own peril, our own peril, to not heed them and to disobey them. This message today and next, next Sunday is, is not meant, and you hear me when I say this from the bottom of my heart, you listen to what I'm saying to you, okay? Because I've been accused of this time and time and time again. And the reason why I'm accused of it is because I don't back off what this book says. I can't back off what this book says, okay? I'm not gonna back off what this book says. This is not to beat you down. This is not to try to inflict guilt on you. It's not. It is to tell the truth. For we as the church must, 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 must tell the truth about the Word of God. Our America, this country that we love so much, this country that, that so many of you have had have had cousins and family members and granddaddies and daddies that have gone to foreign lands and died and shed their blood to be sure this country stays free. All, all those folks that have, that have died for this country, America has made big business out of divorce, my friends. I hate to tell you, but it has. It's made big business. In fact, it has facilitated a culture. It is a culture of divorce. Culture of divorce. And we, in the church of Jesus Christ, must do everything we can 
to slow it down, hopefully, or stop it ultimately. And I think that we know that the reality is that we probably won't stop at this side of heaven as long as people have their own wills and they're hardened toward God. But I think we have to do one thing and one thing only, and that is those that are struggling, walk with them, point them to the truth, help them financially if necessary, and preach the truth of the Scriptures and encourage those to not do it, that are contemplating doing it. Just because the Bible says, as we'll find out next week, that, that, that divorce is permissible in, in, in two circumstances does not mean that it should be done. It just means that in the circumstance of it possibly happening, that when you figure out who the innocent party is in, in that conflict, that they may move on without sin. Not that it's just okay to just do it. We should never just think, well, I'm just going to do it because the Bible says I can. No, no. Jesus in his grace and in his mercy and in his love has, has allowed two circumstances to exist so that the innocent party in the marriage, and we know not everybody's 100% innocent, but the more innocent party of the two can move on with life and remarry. So we need to thank God. And we need to approach this with fear and trembling and not anger and hostility. Because this is eternity we're dealing with, 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 our, with our brothers and sisters. This is, these are eternal matters. Children's futures are at stake, amen? The church is at stake, amen? So let us this next week pray. We'll come back Sunday and have part two if I live that long, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you for, number one, for moving our entire Southern Baptist Convention to expositional preaching back 20 years ago. Because if we didn't do expositional preaching, it would be real, real easy to jump over verse 18 and not deal with it. But Lord, we believe that all Scripture is breathed out by you and profitable. No matter how difficult it is for us to hear, and it's difficult for us to hear a lot of times. But Lord, the only way that we're going to stem and stop and slow down this landslide of broken families is if the church of Jesus Christ steps up and begins to work to stop it. And here's the truth. I mean, that's the beginning is today, to just be willing to hear the truth and to accept the truth and teach the truth. And so, Father, we ask all this, Lord, that over the next week that you help us, dear God, to pay attention to this, to engage people in our lives that we know are struggling, to teach them the truth and help them, Lord. And, Father, as we always say, anyone here, Lord, that does not know you, that has not made a profession of faith, has not come to a place of repentance and belief in your Son, Jesus Christ, that opportunity always exists every time Parkway Baptist assembles, and it's available today. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.